Hi, if you're looking for greater hope, assurance, and confidence through the shifting sands of life, then join me on today's episode as we dig deep into the Bible to discover rock-solid truth for life and living from the God of the Bible. I'm your host, Scott Keffer. Hi, and welcome to today's episode. As always, for a deeper experience, you can go to the show notes and download the blank insight sheet. Fill in the blanks along with the group. Depending on how you're listening to this, there will be a link to the episode website at beholdingbibletruth.com and a sheet with the answers is included as well. Enjoy today's episode. Our son Josh is traveling with a group. Uh, Marianne, his wife's brother, is getting married and they have a bachelor party and they're skiing in Montana. I never went to any bachelor party where we got to go skiing in Montana. I'll tell you. Kids today. So we have the privilege of having Marianne over for uh, four days with us, hanging out with the grandkids. And it's fun to be with grandkids. And it's fun that it's a short period of time and then they're away, but having having a lot of fun kind of engaging with them. And and for uh, Therese, her personality is starting to come out. She's not only starting to talk and make statements, she's starting to ask questions. And it just thrills me as I think about the stages that kids go through and how they ask questions about stuff because everything's new, you know, everything's brand new. And then pretty soon the, it'll be the why, 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 and then how come, and then, you know, and then, then they reach the, the stage at some point in time where they're no longer asking every statement, not, none of them ends in a question mark because they know all the answers and they're no longer asking, but there's that time when they ask questions. And we're looking at a section in scripture where the disciples ask Jesus a question. In fact, ask him a number of questions. And I thought about that. Again, remember they're leaving the temple, leaving behind the temple, and Jesus said it's going to be torn down right? Stone, no stone will be left. Uh, and they ask when, right? When will this happen? Tell us. They, they say this phrase, tell us, and then they end with a question mark. So I thought about that whole subject of asking God questions. How many have heard, never ask God questions, never ask, never question God, never ask why, now all of those things. So I thought I'd step back and think about this whole idea of questioning, questioning God, questioning God. Tell us, tell us, the disciples say, tell us, when will this happen? So it's likely that you have some questions right now. So think about what questions do you have for God? What questions do you have rolling around in your mind? What do I do with this? What about this? How come this? Why this? Think about some of the major questions you have in your life right now. Give me a minute to do that. Think about what are the questions that you have for God? How many have questions? Yeah. And I was thinking about this. Questions for God are different than questions of God. Questions for God are different than questions of God. And questions of God are about questioning God's character, questioning God's character. And so I put on there, questioning God's character is different than asking God's questions, isn't it? Questioning God's character is very different than asking God 
questions. So in Romans 9, Paul is speaking about the sovereignty of God in election. A very challenging subject, very controversial subject. But in Romans 9, it's not particularly controversial. It's pretty clear. So then he says, you will say to me then. So the Spirit of God, writing through the Apostle Paul, says, if this is the case, he says, you will say to me then. You will say to me then. Why does he still find fault? For who resists God's will? So Paul is anticipating that if this is true, God's sovereignty and election, there are some who are going to say, well, what's up with that? In other words, who can resist God's will? Therefore, why does he find, how can he find fault? Which is questioning God's justice, God's judgment, God's wisdom, God's way, is he? He's saying, how can you find fault? How can you hold someone guilty if you have sovereignty in election? But he says, for whom resists his will? So Paul speaks to the issue. He says, on the contrary, who are you, O man, who answers back to God? So he asks him a question. Right? Who are you to challenge God's righteousness, God's justice, God's ways? He says, the thing molded will not say to the molder, why do you make me like this, will it? Or does not the potter have the right over the clay? And in that, he's speaking to the fact that that question has to do with questioning God, questioning God's character, God's justice, God's nature. Say, I don't understand it, therefore I question, is God righteous? Is he just? Is he right? Is, is he who he says he is, right? So I put on there, demanding that God justify himself can be one of the reasons that we ask questions. Demanding that God justify himself. And of course, if you have unbelieving friends or family, you probably heard the same. What about people who've never heard about Jesus? What about people in the, the jungle? What about, right? All of those are questioning God's character, right? Is God just? Is he righteous, right? And uh, therefore, uh, it's the questions are seeking to get God to justify himself. Well, unbelievers will do that. Well, so will believers. So demanding that God justify himself is one purpose behind a question. And then I put in there that statements can be the same. Statements can be questioning God's goodness, his justice, and his sovereignty. And so in Isaiah 40, he says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the knowledge of, of my God? So God asks the question, right? In your statement, you are questioning me, questioning my character questioning my way, questioning my justice. Then he says, do you not know? Have you not heard? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> then he asks questions. I love when God asks the question. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, Yahweh, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. He hasn't gone on vacation. He's not away. So essentially, they're asserting, hey, Lord, you don't you see don't you know what's going on? Aren't you aware of what's happening? And so in their statement, they're saying, is God, has he fallen down 
on his job as God, right? Has he fallen down? But he says, no, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the end of the earth, he doesn't become weary or tired. In fact, his wisdom is inscrutable, which means what? Yes, beyond scrutiny. <laughs> beyond scrutiny. Talked before that idea, C.S. Lewis, which then John Piper introduced to me, there are two ways to magnify. One is to magnify under a microscope. That is where I put it under there and I dissect it. I make it larger. And that is where I dissect God. The other way is to look through a telescope, which also magnifies. It takes what is far away and small and magnifies it for me to see because it's beyond my ability to see it or comprehend it. Okay? When we are seeking to question God, are we putting him under a microscope where we're dissecting him? We're making what's really teeny teeny and, and putting it within my vision, or are we taking what is incomprehensible, magnifying it so I can see his character? And he's saying, I am beyond scrutiny, inscrutable, inscrutable. Is his understanding inscrutable to you? Beyond scrutinizing, beyond microscopically dissecting. So statements can be questioning God's goodness, justice, and sovereignty. So just a great reminder to be thoughtful, right? So questioning God is, a, is an interesting idea because really it's what's behind that. Well, first of all, I started with the fact that God invites our questions. He put his phone number there for you. Jeremiah 33, 3. When we would grow up and you watched, what was the uh, BR549 was the number of hee-haw. How many watched Seahaw growing up? They would say, call in. The number was BR549. Call in today, BR549. That's back when you had fewer numbers. So he says, Jeremiah, right, 33.3, call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. God invites our questions. And we've heard before, don't ever ask God why, right? Don't ask him why, don't ask him why, right? Well, you have the Lord Jesus who says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why hast thou forsaken me? And I thought about this, not all questions are asking for information, not all questions are seeking an answer per se, right? Not all questions, right, are asking for information. So I thought, so in that, in Jesus, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I saw three things. First of all, he confirms the satisfaction of God's wrath. How do I know that? With God's wrath, his judgment upon the sin, separation was part of the judgment. So when Jesus says, why, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Right? He confirms that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. So we see the confirmation that God's justice was carried out. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The son who is in eternal union 
with the Father and the Spirit has now experienced the ju judgment of God, the wrath of God on our behalf and the separation from God. Secondly, of course, he is quoting, if you will, from Psalm 22, but he fulfills prophecy. He fulfills prophecy. Psalm 22 says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Oh, my God, I cry to you day by day, but thou does not answer. Psalm 22, 1 and 2. So he fulfills prophecy. And the third thing I put on there is he indeed shows us his humanity. He shows us his humanity. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? There's the why of anguish, isn't there? There's the why that comes out of a pain. It's not demanding an answer. It's more of just the pain. What, why, why have you taken my spouse? Why have you let my kids go through this? Why, have, why, why is this pain in my life? Why? Why, right? It's not demanding an answer of God as much as it's the cry of anguish. It's the cry of pain. He shows us his humanity. We don't have a high priest who is not able to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been, what's it say? Tempted in all ways as we have yet without sin. That's the God that we serve, one who has experienced it, right? He, the uncontainable stepped into a container and with it, he was tempted in the same way as we have been yet without sin. He understands the cry of anguish. He understands the why of pain, right? That is just the cry of our, of our aching, broken heart. He's near to the broken hearted, right? So he shows us his humanity. And of course, we can see through scripture that godly men ask God questions. Sometimes not with all the greatest of intent. And certainly Job. I don't like to read Job. I don't like to think about Job. It kind of feels like, if I think about this, then the Lord will make me go through it. So I go, right? So I don't want to study Job. I don't want to teach on Job, right? Right, so Job goes through this, and he and his buddies are asking a lot of questions. And I love this. God says, my turn. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now he says, put on your adult panties, right? If you will, right? He says, now it's my turn, right? Put on your, your depends, because now I'm going to ask some questions, right? I'm going to ask the questions. He says, gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you instruct me. And it's a great set of verses where God begins to say, where were you? Explain to me, right? Tell me how the dawn of the morning comes. Tell me about the snow and the moon and the, and the, and, and the birds and the animals. Tell me if you know. And in there, he shows us, he says, will the fault finder contend with the Almighty? Let him who reproves God answer it. So it shows that, that, Job had, had stepped over the line, if you will, in terms of feeling like this is not right. 
And you can see if you went through what Job went through, there's that natural part to say, what's up with this? You've taken everything that I, I'll hold dear. You've taken it all away. But it's good in Scripture, as someone said, not that what, you know, the Bible is not what man would write if he could and what he would write if he would, you know, because for sure we see the reality. You know, if we were taking our, our very best and putting them out in front, it would not be the PR <laughs> that we would use, right? We would not be, it would not be the, 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 the Facebook post for the, for the people of God because they're all shellacked, aren't they? They're all fake. It's all the, the pictures. The scripture show, shows us the good and the bad uh, of, of, of everyone in there. So godly men have asked questions all through scripture. We see the reality of that. And it's a reminder that God answers some, but not all. God answers some, but not all. And at the end of the day, if we don't have questions, we're not alive, and if you will, we're not really, and when I say alive, we're not really embracing reality. Reality has a lot of questions to it, doesn't it? A lot of questions. And it seems like the more miles I have on my machine, the more questions I have. Isn't that true? <clears throat> if you look around at the world today, there are even more questions. A lot of questions going on, right? A lot of questions. So I thought about this. Okay, so let's talk about asking the right questions. How do, what, are the, what are the right kind of questions we should be asking? <clears throat> so today, when questions come up, my question is, where is the first place, first place that you go when you have a serious question? Hey Siri, hey Google. Chat GPT, huh? Well, let's see. If I were the arch enemy of God, I would not want you going to him. I would want you going other places. So the enemy has a strategy, of course, and you see it now, right? I want you to ask your phone or ask chat gpt which can be helpful for some tasks but if you're going there for wisdom you have to ask the question who's programmed the answers in fact if you go to google who do you think is programmed what you see you think when you type into google you're you're getting access to all information <laughs> right yes Google first started, their logo was do no evil. Well, they, they passed by that and they no longer have that slogan. Yes, yeah, they're, they definitely have passed by that, right? So you start to think, so, but where is the first place? Where's your, your, your knee jerk reaction when you have questions? Is our first place, help me, Lord, help me, Lord. And the problem is that we like, right, microwave answers. I don't want a crock pot anymore. I want a microwave answer. I want it now. I want it quick. 
One is fast, right? Give me the answer. Give me the answer. If I can't get it there, I call somebody else. Or so you have to think about where, right? Where do I go when I have questions in life? Where do I go? Where do I go? I've found that to keep perspective, the answers aren't as important as the questions. We think we need answers, but the fact is we need better questions. Oftentimes people are solving, right? Going after, running after symptoms rather than real core problems. And we're being taught to not think, to stop being critical thinkers. We're not critical thinkers anymore. We're, we're being taught through dopamine rushes to be quick and easy, looking for fast answers. And then I go to the next. And so people spend all day doing this. And this is how they live life. And this is how they do with answers. And then I want to get a whole bunch of answers. Just keep getting more answers, 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 more answers right? There's a lot of information, but no wisdom. No wisdom. So some questions about your question. The disciples said to Jesus, when will this happen? When will this happen? When will the, the temple be torn down? And when will the end of the age come? So the first question you've got to ask is, were they asking the right questions? Is that the right question for them? Jesus said to them, the temple's going to be torn down, right? And they knew the end of the age. When will this happen? What's that? Is that the right question to ask? When will this happen? And then I just think about what will the answer to that do for me? God gives you the answer. What will I know that I didn't know then? Well, I mean, would have been helpful. They said, to, oh, by the way, 70 years and the temple will be torn down. You're probably right. I don't know who was alive still then. Maybe you're alive. Maybe you're not alive. Oh, by the end of the age, I don't know. The father knows. Okay, what do we know now that we didn't know then? And how did the answer to that help the disciples? Okay, 70 years. Put it on your calendar. See what I mean? What's the, what, what am I looking for? And if I get the answer, so when people ask me, particularly you know, when I'm sitting with Corky and Mary, they'll ask questions, and I'll say to them, um, so what are you hoping the answer will be? So you think when people ask you a question, you need to give them the answer, but I'll just ask them, what are, you, what are you hoping the answer will be? What will the answer tell you that you don't know now? See, we don't, we, we, we don't stop and think. So when the question comes up inside of you, be critical and just say, what am I really asking? What will the answer to that tell me that I don't know? Right? Do I need to know the answer? And do I need to know the answer now? Which is really what we want. Tell me the answer now, Google. <laughs> right? Tell me the answer now. Hey, Suri, what is, right? What's fortune telling? Tell me the answer. Tell it to me now, because I want to know it now. Does that make sense? When we have questions for God, you just start to ask the question, am I asking the right question? What will the answer tell me? What will, uh, what will I do with the answer? Do I need to know it? And do I need to know it now? 
Normally the answer is, of course. <laughs> to me, here's the best question. Not what, not when, not why, but who? Who, who can help me? It's a good question. Who will help me? Who will help me? The Old Testament would be, who will save me? Who will deliver me? Who will come to my aid? Who can help me, right? Who? The who is a better question, right? Who knows my every thought? Who knows my every need? So when the Lord Jesus comes to the Apostle Paul, when he's still Saul, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you kicking against the pricks? And Saul asks the best question. He says, who are you, Lord? It's the best question. Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? It's similar to the question that he asked Peter and the others. Who do you say that I am? Who, who do you say that I am? Because in essence of that is what God asked in that same area in, in Isaiah 40, where, where he says, uh, do you not know, have you not heard? Right before that, he says, to whom then, to whom, to whom then will you liken me <laughs> that I should be his equal, says the Holy One? In other words, who, who else is your savior? Who else is your deliverer? Who else is your helper? Who else is your wisdom? Who else is your way, your truth, and your life? Who? 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 I love in Jeremiah, he says, let not the wise man boast of his wisdom. Well, I need wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast of his might. I need strength. Let not the rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this. What? That he understands and knows me. So he says, don't boast in your wisdom. Don't boast in your strength. Don't boast in your wealth. Boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I'm the God who exercises what? Loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. And he says, for I delight in these things. Loving kindness, this is who I am. What's first? Hesed. It's the it's the it's the covenant love of God, where He says, "I set my love upon Israel. I love them because I love them." It's His covenant love. It's His covenant loving kindness. It's justice and righteousness on earth. He says, "You want to boast? Boast in that." That's your boast. And to me, in Romans, it's the best question to us. It's the best question to us. So God asks us this question, which is, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, then he asks the question, okay? He who did not spare his own son, he delivered him up for us all, then he says, how will he not also with Christ, what's the question? Oh, how, how will he give them? Freely give them of his own initiative. That's what it means. Will of his own initiative freely give us all things. 
So that's his question back to us. In all the questions that you're going to have of God, he says, I did not spare my own son, but delivered him up for you. How will I also not with him freely give you all things? If I, if I didn't withhold my son, is there anything that I would withhold from you? Anything that you need that is in your, your best interest? It's the best question to us. So our best question to ask is, who is he? Who is the Lord? Who is he? In other words, what is he like? What is his character? Loving kindness, justice, righteousness. That's who he is. When Moses cried out, he says, Lord, show me your glory. It says, the Lord descended in a cloud, stood in his midst, and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, right? Compassionate and gracious. So he starts, compassionate and gracious. Not I am compassion, just, just compassionate, right? He just is. It's his name. Compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, keeping loving kindness for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, sin. Yet I'll by no means leave the guilty un unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers to the children and the grandchildren. It says Moses made haste to bow low toward the earth and worship. <laughs> worship, right? He worship. So who? <clears throat> who do you say? that I am. Whom then will you liken me that I should be his equal? Who? Who? Like the owl. Who? Who? The wise owl. So, it's a who question. Who is he? In other words, what is his character like? So, we ask the right questions. And we ask them in the right way. He says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, what are we supposed to do? Let him ask of God. I'm going that. Let him ask of God. Well, who is he? What is he like? Who? Notice how he answers. Who? Who does what? Gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Let him not ask, but let him ask in faith. Without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. But I love that. Let him ask of God who. Notice how he connects that, right? The who question shows us God is the one who gives to all men generously. He's the father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning, from every come from whom comes every good gift. So we ask in faith. It also says we are to ask with patience and with patience and trust. Yeah, but Lord, I do believe, but help my unbelief. Isn't that a great prayer? Do believe, do believe, but help my unbelief. John the Baptist introduced the Lord Jesus, saw the dove descend upon him knew the Lord Jesus in prison, what did he ask? Go and ask him, are you the one? He asked the question. He still asked the question, are you the one? Jesus said, tell him, right, that the lame are walking, the blind are seeing, right? Jesus said, you know who the Messiah is. 
You know who he is. You know who he is. So then I asked the question, so where to listen? That seems weird, huh? Where to listen? How does God speak? He walks with me and he talks with me. Yeah. Cute sign. Cute lyric in the yeah. in the in in the song. He walks with me and talks with me. Yeah, sometimes. But inherently God speaks in one primary place. One primary place. Where does he speak? All scripture. All scripture. All scripture. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate for every good work. All scripture. No scripture. No scripture comes from human will. If I am looking for answers, right, which is what I always say to people, hey, you know, you text somebody, tell me the answer, and then you turn your phone off. And then you say, well, they never answer. <laughs> so last night, Beth was out, and uh, Marianne was upstairs with uh, Therese in the bathtub, and I was getting dinner ready, and I was looking at, because we got this new air fryer, and I thought, I don't know how to use the air fryer. I don't even know where the directions are, Beth's not around. So I thought, oh, I'll get my phone and see if I can figure out how do I do the frozen french fries in the air fryer. And then I see a text from Marianne, help, right? Help, there's an accident in the bathtub. <laughs> Baby, bathtub, I get it, right? That's because I don't pay attention to it. I don't let alerts come on. I don't let it bing. It doesn't, I just put that thing away, right? I don't want it binging me all day long. I don't have it. So I'll miss stuff like that but the fact is that's because i'm not interested in being in a right in a regular texting uh, environment that's all right so if i ask somebody and turn my phone off and i wonder why don't they ask answer me people ask god what is the answer to this and then we don't go to his word hmm so you got to turn it on put yourself in it so that he can answer, because that's where he speaks. He says, this is interesting, for whatever was written in the earlier times was written for our instruction. What's that mean? Study the Old Testament. How many Christians are either afraid of it, ignorant about the Old Testament? You cannot understand Jesus if you don't understand the Old Testament. It's the pointer Everything in there. Jesus said, the scripture, he talked about how the scripture speaks to me from Moses onward. He says, whatever was written in earlier times for our instruction, that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. We might have hope. Scriptures, deep with wisdom. Deep with answers because the scriptures are living and active they're alive there's no other book alive there's no other book alive now that doesn't mean god won't speak in ancillary ways because of course he does the spirit of god can speak to you directly the spirit of god can do that not regularly not regularly 
You know, when when we were over in in in, in Africa, and you, they talked about, uh, you know, we 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 met kind of in the the, the hidden church that was meeting in in homes. They'll say God came to me in a dream. Well, yeah, because God speaks in in unnatural ways because He has to, right? Here, you got seventeen Bibles. We don't have time to be in His Word, right? And it's not just in His Word to study; it's just sometimes just listen, right? Just be in there, and He speaks to encourage us and give us hope. And last, I put on there: be sure to affirm God's who. Be sure to infirm God's who. In fact, the like bookends in the Psalms, one of the habits I get in, I don't know, long ago is right before bed, I'll read a Psalm and then we pray. And I am amazed now, having been through Psalms, I don't know how many times, how much trouble there is in for people in the Psalms, particularly for David, King David. He's always in trouble. And he, it, it's great because you see him pouring out his emotion. He asks questions, but he asks his questions, right, to God. He brings his questions to God. And in there, in the psalm, you'll see, we assume it was all written at the same time, not likely. Sometimes between the cry, the question, and the, the affirmation at the end, I don't know how long it took him could have been minutes sometimes it could have been hours it could have been days but you'll notice here how long oh lord how long so he asked in psalm 133 and there are questions many of them in there and then he'll say but i have trusted so i have these questions for sure but i have trusted what did he trust in in your in your loving kindness, in your hesed, in your covenant love, in your unshakable, immovable, unchangeable love. Why? How do I know his love is unshakable, immovable, and unchangeable? Because that's who he is. And his love is who he is. Therefore, his love is unshakable and unchangeable and immovable. He is the rock of our salvation. That means his loving kindness is a rock. It's not moving. <laughs> How long, O oh Lord? How long, O oh Lord? He says, but I've trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord. Why? Because he has dealt bountifully with me. Bountifully. Overflowingly. He is able to do exceeding abundantly you never put that seems like superfluous words why would you put two words together like that right because we are trying to express who he is he has dealt bountifully with me in psalm 22 where he cries out my god my god why hast thou forsaken me again if you move forward he says yet thou art holy so in my question, I can affirm, God, you're still holy. You were holy, you are holy, you always will be. In fact, day and night, they do not cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. He's the unchangeable one. And he says, you are holy. And then he reminds himself, you're enthroned upon the praises of your people. What's that mean? Praise him. 
He will be enthroned above your on your praise. He's not enthroned above the cherubim that you say, right? We don't need the Ark of the Covenant. We praise and he, his glory shows up. Is that cool? And he reminds myself, well, well, in you, our fathers trusted. They trusted and thou didst what? Help them, deliver them, came to their aid. To thee, they cried out and they were delivered. In thee, they trusted and were not disappointed. They were disappointed. You showed up. <laughs> so he reminds yourself, in the past, Lord, you have been faithful. I don't see it here. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But I remind myself, you're holy. You're holy then, you're holy now, you're holy in the future. In the past, you have been faithful. You've never disappointed. In the moment, I don't get it, <laughs> right? I don't get it. I don't see it. I don't understand it. But I remind myself of that. And by the way, you are enthroned about your praise, so I should probably praise you. <laughs> and in Psalm 10, where he asks the same question, where are you? He answers, the Lord is, underline that. What? King? Forever and ever. What's that mean? He sovereign reigns. He sovereign reigns over all, right? Sovereign reign tea. The Lord is king forever. And he says, oh, Lord, you have heard. You've heard. Your prayers don't bounce off the ceiling. You're not saying them out loud to hear yourself speak. <laughs> the Lord who made the heavens and the earth hears you. He hears you. And Revelation said every prayer you pray, every question you ask of God is in, in, it, it, it's in a bowl of incense. It's not lost. It doesn't go unheard. He says, you, you heard the desire of the humble. But I don't get it. I don't understand it. You will strengthen their heart. Underline that. That's what I need when I have questions, right? You will incline your ear to vindicate you are from the oppressed. You come to their aid. You are our dread champion. You are our protector, our provider. You are our shepherd. You're the one who cares for me. So in the midst of my question, I affirm God's who? His sovereignty, his loving kindness, his goodness. They haven't changed. I don't get it, Lord. So the wise come out of my cries. The wise come out of my pain, but I can bring them to him. So he says, don't take your wise somewhere else. Bring them to me. Don't go somewhere else with your wise looking for the answer. Bring them to me. And remind yourself who I am. Remind yourself who he is. Who he is. The God who strengthens your heart, he inclines your ear, and he vindicates you. That is our God. So oh, the best question, who? So the question in God, write down an insight and then we'll share a few. Scott, the reference there is not Psalm 133, but rather 13. 13, thank you. <laughs> Psalm 13, too many threes. Don't know the answer to that. No. 
don't know the answer to that. That and many other questions, right? And I remind myself, right? My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. There's stuff that doesn't matter how much I or how I explained it to Therese. She's never going to understand it. It doesn't matter, right? And we're like that, right? Even to ask the Lord, help me to answer, ask the right question. I mean, even that, like, what should I be asking here? What, what, what do I need to know? That's really the question. We think we need to know everything in that moment, but even his guidance on, you know, what should I be asking you, right? And what are you doing in the midst of it? What do you, what do you want me to see about you? You know, that's another good question is, what do you want me to see about you in the midst of this? Because we, we think we want an answer out of it, but maybe he's showing us something about himself in the midst of it. Well, what do you want me to see about you in the present situation? Maybe I don't need the answer. And may the God who is the answer, may, him, may he bless you, may he keep you, may he cause his face to shine upon you, may he lift up his countenance and grant you his shalom deep in your soul. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and through all your questions. Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. Thanks for listening. I hope you have greater hope, assurance, and confidence in your life and a deeper trust in the God of the Bible and His Son, Jesus Christ. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up His countenance on you and give you His peace, His shalom in your soul and in your life. Until next time, may God bless you and keep you.